are tuned in to New Stars with Neil Clark playing the up-and-coming artist first. Hear their stories before anyone else. Coming up on today's show. Today is where it happens. Remember days when I would sleep Hello and welcome to New Stars Show. Today I'm talking to a singer, songwriter and musician that tells stories with his music, even his own biography. He's an artist that has had a passion for music from an early age. He is Tom O'Driscoll. When did the love for music start? Um, I think it's always been there as far back as I'm able to remember. You know, I was uh, always keen on singing when I was small. I was in the choir at school, at all three schools that I went to, in fact. Took up instruments, um, took up the guitar at about 12. But it was something I'd always wanted to do, actually. You know, it was something that I always wanted to do, and it was inevitable I would do it. And that's something I wanted to do as far back as I'm able to remember, in fact. Mm. So why music? Of all the things you could do, why music? I like football, but I wasn't good enough at it, really. Um, I always wanted to be good at art, but that was something I, when I took up drawing, sketching, I was never more than mediocre at it, even at, 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 at the very best. So music was just kind of my calling, and it was the thing I wanted to be good at that I found within a short couple of months of learning, I was able to do quite well. Mm. We're going to take uh, take your first song now, which has been obviously uh, going about for a little while, uh, called Tenacity. Um, now, these are all original songs, aren't they? That's right, yeah. And Tenacity has been knocking around for a little bit, and it's still going strong. So what is it about Tenacity, then, that is really hooking people in well to be honest neil i didn't really get a chance to promote it till the lockdown started because for a long time i was doing um pub gigs social club gigs wine bars the occasional um wedding and such like um so i didn't the album when i did it, it was really it was just something i did for me because when I went out and did gigs it was always covers that people asked for you know they very seldom were interested in anything that I'd written myself. And it was about 18 months ago, I, I did my last gig when the lockdown started, almost 18 months ago. Mm. So suddenly with a huge expansion of time on my hands and a friend mentioned a friend of hers with a radio station, which I sent to and he played it. Very good of him considering we hadn't met before and he played it, I think about two or three days later. I just hit on the idea of why not just share that around until the lockdown was over. Initially, I thought it would only be two months. Eight, 18 months later, I've been played on over 80 stations. And I've also <laughs> had, had the fortune of having a very good re- review written as well. So for the foreseeable, I'm going to stick with promoting it. But it's definitely time I had some new material. I'm hoping to do a second album sometime early next year. Let's hear it then. This is the song called Tenacity. You're going to love it. Too many years were lost, the time I'm done. Trying 
I've got Tom O'Driscoll in the studio with me, or on the phone line, I should say. Um, were any of your family musical? Um, they always liked music, but they didn't play instruments. My brother plays, he plays guitar, he played the banjo, perhaps he still does, and he's become quite an accomplished keyboard player in, in recent years. Um, but apart from that, I mean, it was something I always wanted to do. But, you know, it wasn't like anyone else in my, my family ever played in m- many bands or anything or, or or did gigs. It was something that was always my own idea, I think, my own kind of um, uh, calling, I suppose it was. Ah. So where do you get your inspirations from when, when writing songs? Um I usually end up with a box file full of ideas scribbled down on pieces of paper. I sometimes get an idea. And when you get that idea, if you don't write it down, it's going to be gone. So what I usually do is I end up with almost a whole box file full of bits of paper written here, there and everywhere. And I'm due to do it sometime next week. I'll sift through it all. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea, but it needs to be fitted onto a song. Or sometimes I think... What was I thinking there? And it just goes <laughs> on like that. I sort of sift through through them all. So the ideas that are good get put into songs immediately. And the ideas that need to be modified are the ones that usually get put aside for the next time. So what I've comes... I've sat down and written a song in five minutes. I've never been like the Bacharach or someone. <laughs> he gets up in the morning, he gets a pen and a paper and writes a hit. I'd love to be able to do that, but unfortunately I can't. What does it take then to to be creative in writing songs? I mean, do you take everyday life and put it into put it into a song, or do you see like a couple rowing on the corner of a street and think, yeah, that'd be a good song? Um, I don't know, really. It just comes from 
places. It's normally just if I have a lyrical idea that I can see a song coming from. I mean, sometimes it's just one line and that line could be the last line in the second chorus eventually. But when it is, I mean, you hear a whole song, but sometimes it's written from that one line and that's not even, even, even the title. So I can't say exactly where it comes from. You just get a kind of a gut feeling, I suppose. You just write an idea or you get an idea in your head, you write it down. And each time you look at that piece of paper, you know you've got a song even if the song isn't necessarily going to be, well, there's times I've not even used that line. I don't know. It just seems to come from, from somewhere. I've no idea why, though, or where it is, I should say. We've spoken about... It comes out the ground. Yeah, it comes out from the ether, sent from the, the gods. Um, there you go. <laughs> we've, we've spoken about your voice prior to, you know, starting, you know, the show. And... You know, I said about your voice sounding a bit like Roger Stewart and you said <laughs> McCartney. Um, but your songs, they are very unique, aren't they? Because they do sound pretty much, it's either like um, a bit of Roger Stewart and, and uh, Paul McCartney thrown in. I mean, was your voice um, developed the way it has or, or is there some kind of... Um, no ingenuity to it. Um, I just when I took up singing, I used to practice a lot because initially I could carry a tune, but my voice didn't have any depth to it, it didn't have any uh, range or much power to it, and I just applied myself to practicing as often as I could, and it wasn't an overnight thing, but gradually, you know, I was able to just sing better, deeper, higher, more range a lot more strength into it. And from then on, I found when I was doing the covers, I always played at the pub gigs. Yeah. I would always try and sound a bit like that person. I remember doing Maggie May one time and doing my rod and having to sing it four times and having no voice at all the next day. <laughs> or having to do twist and shout like John Lennon always did it and the same yeah. thing happened. And then I had to do Maggie May and Rod Stewart several times. I had to do Rod Stewart doing Maggie May and Twist and Shout a la John Lennon both at the same gig several times. And that was, uh, well, I hope I don't have to do that again anyway. <laughs> well, I'm certainly not, not certainly not today anyway. Not today, no. <laughs> You're going to have a day off today. I'm busy doing an interview today. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's have another break. Um, rest your vocal cords for a second. And um, uh, I will have a, a listen to your next track, which is, well, all your tracks are fabulous. Um, but this one is called Above the Below. So where did the idea come from? It was written for a friend, actually, because he was having a lot of trouble in his life. And I was to say, you know, you've got to rise above it. And I was hit. On, on the idea of above the below, I just thought it was a good metaphor for people who need to just come above their problems, forget everything, strip away. Because there's a line in the song, if you want for nothing, you will ultimately need for less. It was kind of a bit of advice that I um, wrote for someone. I didn't actually tell him it was about him. Uh because I didn't know how he'd take it, but he heard it, and he said, that reminds me of me. 
I haven't told him yet, but you know, it was just something that I wrote. But then there's a lot of people that have said to me, it does remind remind them yeah. of them, you know. But it was actually written for someone who was just struggling. That's how, how it started, and it's it's become quite a popular one. It was the song I always used to start my gigs off with, in fact. Oh, right. Okay. Indeed, yeah, at one time, yeah. I find with songs, uh, with a lot of songs, is that um, it casts your mind back. It, it releases memories, some good, some bad. Um, makes you, it puts you in a good, feel-good space. Um, I'm a little bit intrigued. You, you write songs about people. You write songs about whatever comes into your head at the time. What reactions do you get? when you're singing your songs and you or people are listening to your songs and then suddenly you see the light switch on behind their eyes? Um, well, I always wait until I've written something completely. I never play half an idea to anybody. In fact, when I was making my album, I was sort of advised, to, um, don't play the rough mixes to anyone. Someone would always say that has to be louder and someone else will always say that has to be quieter. So keep it to yourself. Yeah. So I sat sat on this thing while the mixes were going on and then there was the mastering and then there was the copies and people were saying, we really want to hear your album. When, when's your album going to be ready? And of course, I was dying to play it to them, but I remember thinking, you've got to wait until it's ready. You've got to wait. And then I, um, as soon as the copies were done, I sent it out. And then I got those emails, text messages, everyone just saying, that's brilliant. So I thought, glad of that but the best experience I've had so far was track three for my album the DJ in my local pub was playing it because it's quite a dancey track yeah and I happened to walk in and he happened to be playing it he had no idea I was going to be there that night and I saw 20 people up dancing to it and I was just I don't know really I was just like um I was on such a high that night, a couple of pints I had didn't touch the sides, you know, it was just such a natural buzz. I, I could have done any amount of drink that night and it wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have changed that at all, you know. So that's probably the heart, the best experience I've had of like a, a reaction from people. Because hmm. well, it was only by chance. Yeah. Well, let's have a listen to the track and it's called Above the Below. Okay.
Welcome back. And that was above the below. Are you an artist that... Music artist. Yeah, yeah. That wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, I don't know about heart on sleeve. I mean... When it comes to writing I, songs. I suppose when I... Yeah, I mean, I like it to mean something. I like it to have some sort of depth to it and some kind of uh, relevance to it as well. So I suppose in that respect i am i mean when i when i when i play guitar i don't just play with my hands i play with my heart yeah but have you ever written a song about one of your own experiences in life um remember days the first track on on the album is kind of a bit of an autobiography mm. um look tenacity was the same but it's it isn't just about one event it's all kinds of things i went through and I was looking for a common denominator. That was the word I chose. I liked it because it was also the 10th track on the album. So track number 10 is Tenacity. I thought that ties it in perfectly. Ah, um, right. Okay. There you go. Apathy is written about my time doing um, a job at a place I didn't like. It was one of those sort of boring jobs where you can't talk to the people around you, but you need to do it. That's oh, written right. about that experience as well i mean whenever i hear that i was thinking myself in that thinking of a song hoping well one day i might gain something from this and whenever i hear it i see me back at that time hoping that i would and being pleased that i have so yeah right, there's, uh, okay. there's a lot of me in it and there's a lot of let's yeah those are those are two or three songs that are actually written about me and my own experience, yeah. Now, your tracks have a 60s, 70s feel to them. Who has influenced you through your music career? Loads of bands. Um, Beatles, Stones, The Who, uh, Pink Floyd. Um, a lot of the punk stuff as well I liked. I mean, I, I was too young for the punk era, so I heard a lot of that kind of second hand, really. Um, a lot of bands I like include The Jam, you two uh-huh. manic street preachers who i've seen five times in fact um also like radiohead foo fighters but yeah it's predominantly 60s and 70s partly because it was such a golden time in, in music and also i mean if you were to try and write now it'd be very difficult to there are a lot of good artists about but perhaps it's just me but there's not much you'd um taken so far as taking an influence from it, I don't think. I think a lot, a lot of it comes from the sixties and seventies. Yeah, because it does have it. Just it doesn't have a a nineties noughties. Um, it's a different feel to it. I can't put my finger on it, but it just sounds like the um, you know the the, the rock era from the sixties and seventies, where you you could actually hear the music and you can actually hear a chorus in there. Um, which I think we lose today. We 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 just hear a load of shouting and um, you know a load of screaming guitars and banging of the drums, but we don't really hear the story behind the song. It's a lot harder to write a decent song these days because, for one thing, it's it's run out of a lot of new ideas, and also whenever you write, there's often a danger of there being an overlap. By that I mean, there's times I've had half an idea for a song and I've heard something just like it or almost like it and thought, well, you know, if I persevere with that idea, I'm going to sound like, like a plagiarist. But then sometimes it's it, it's a coincidence. And if something sounds a bit like something, it doesn't matter that much because it all has to come from somewhere, really. 
Yes, everything is influenced by what the person has heard before. But if you can be as influenced by as many different artists as you can come across, then you will you will find your own style if you take a bit here and a bit there, knowing full well that's probably what they did when they started out. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So where do you think your music sits in comparison to to other rock genres? I don't know really. I mean, it sort of depends who it is. I don't really compare it to anything really. I mean, a lot of people have got in touch to say it reminds them of one person, another person, and you know. So I mean, I don't know really. I mean, it's not really. Perhaps it's not so healthy to pigeonhole something. No, no. Uh, I mean, because when I, I messaged you, I said, you know, or you, I think you sent me your song, and I said, that's got the Beatles sound to it. You sound like the Beatles. And because it's got that kind of vibe. Um, but now, moving a little bit away from music, and I want to let's talk a little bit about your interest really because it's it sparks an interest in me because i was poking around your social media um as i do and i see that you have an interest in british murder with oh, the books, textbooks with the books from about the Cray cray twins and the yorkshire River. that's right yes yes so what's the fascination with british murder or any um, murder any murder i think it was um I remember when the Yorkshire Ripper was first arrested, when he was mm. finally caught, and it was, certainly wasn't before time either, you know. But I remember he was caught, and I remember watching the news that night, thinking, what does a monster look like? You know, someone who just committed these horrific crimes. I just wanted to see what he looked like. And he had a blanket over his head. Uh-huh. Now, I, I, I was only nine years old. I didn't think, I didn't realise it was, they do that in the interest of someone ha- having a fair trial. I thought it was because he was some two-headed monster or because he looked like a minotaur or something. All right. So I, I followed the trial intently because I wanted to see what he... I was dying to see what he looked like. So I read the paper when it was there. I followed the news reports. And, I mean, I was interested. I mean, I was as equally appalled as the next person. Yeah. And then finally they showed him. And I thought, that can't be him. He looks so ordinary. I mean, they actually said, you know, he looked like the kind of person you could pass in the street a thousand times and you wouldn't even have noticed. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, is probably one of the reasons he managed to get away with it for so long. But um, I suppose I was just intrigued. You know, you just he doesn't look like a monster. You know, what makes someone like that run? So I kind of read yeah. a bit on the... I, I sort of read a lot on on the background... And from then, there was a few other documentaries that used to crop up on on telly, yeah. including The Craze. I saw both the films, the one with the Kemp and the one with Tom Hardy as both of them, and I kind of got intrigued again, you know. It's an interesting, it certainly isn't something I uh, approve of, although admittedly, it's a little bit morbid and something I only dip into it occasionally now. They are, they are fascinating, because it is... It's... What makes a murderer a murderer? What what makes them, you know, um, I don't know, some kind of at what predator? Point do they, at what point do they cross the line? Is yeah. it something in them or is it something that happens to them? You know, when you look at the childhood, the upbringing, 
they usually find things. But having said that, at times you come across people with a normal upbringing and it still happens. You know, you just wonder uh-huh. what is it that makes it happen? Is there any forewarning of it? Usually not, I don't think. Well, the mystery. Dennis Nelson. Yeah. I watched Des this year and he was a, he was a, he, he was an actual ex-policeman. Yeah. He was the local Bobby on the beat. He was a very trusted part of the community. And yet within five years, he was charged with 16 murders. Yeah. And he was a very ordinary looking person, very ordinary spoken. I see an interview with him once in, in prison that was on telly with him very casually talking about what he did without a flicker of emotion. And yeah. it just made me think, well, you know, first of all, how and why? Yeah. It's very it's one interesting. Of those big unanswered questions, you know, where some people are into ghost hunting or UFO spotting. Um, for me, I suppose it is the interest of what makes a murderer run. Yeah. Yeah. The mysteries, the mysteries that are sort of, held within us is uh amazing yeah exactly let's take a break now that i've delved into your social media uh we'll take a break and play your next song which we you mentioned earlier which was remember days like you said this is uh part of your biography along with tenacity um so let's sit back uh have uh, a cup of tea and um listen to your biography. Stepping outside of myself off the shelf and away.
think to that song remember days a fantastic song and a song that sounds pretty much like paul mccartney um what is your biggest regret and if you could change anything what would it be tom really i mean i think everything that happens to you shapes you for the person that you later become or the person i have become Hmm. yeah i mean i suppose there are a few things but regrets are um I mean, certainly during this lockdown, I've learned to live on, on a daily basis. I haven't thought too much about the future. This is the first year in years I didn't make any plans because the way things were, there didn't seem any point. Mm. And when you've got a lot of time on your hands, you do find yourself re- reflecting. And if you do that for long enough, you can find yourself finding all kinds of things that you regret through overthinking. And it's not a useful process. It just isn't useful. So regrets we've all got them yeah what you can't change and what you have amended should be left behind you your your your, your regrets i think a mistake it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it and unless you've done something terrible really terrible you don't really have to regret anything you might regret that you've met someone years ago but then it was the decision you made at the time or the choice you made at the time, it could have been an innocent one that led on to something else. We've all had that. So, I mean, to regret something, unless someone's really gone out of the way to do something stupid or really rueful, there's no point. I don't think there's any point in regretting anything, really. So you don't have any regrets about anything at all? I can't think of any offhand. I suppose if I sat here for a while, I could probably think of one or two, but then I'd probably keep them two, two, two myself anyway. You know? All right, okay, okay. I can't think of anything. There probably is something because I've, I've, I've sort of tried to live a day at a time in in, in the present. I don't look back too much as a way of getting through the lockdown. So past regrets are very far from the mind, but there are probably a few here and there. If you could perform with any living artist who would it be and why um i don't know really um well until his death i'd have said david bowie seeing as he seems to perform with everyone during his life oh, but that um, has to be they have to be living now oh okay right so um <laughs> i don't know really um i'd like to collaborate with Perhaps the Manic Street Preachers, I think. Oh, right. I've always liked okay. them. I've liked them in their four-piece days and in their current Or I saw them once as a four-piece and I've seen them four times as, as a three-piece. It would be interesting to work with them. I mean, they're very intelligent men. Very, They always seem to be able to come up with something different. It would be an interesting experience. It would be a good challenge. And I'd like to think we would do some good work together. So if you had a choice, you had the choice of Manic Street Preachers coming up to you and saying, you're going to sing one of ours or are we going to sing one of yours? What would it be? As I'd be outnumbered, I suppose I'd have to do theirs. (laughs) (laughs) And which one would you perform? Um, I'd like to do Design for Life, as I used to play it at my gigs. So... I know how to play it, and I know the words, the bass. So, yeah, it, it would be that one, because I would be comfortable doing it, because I've played it loads of times before. Your next song, 
is Sadder Than Sad. Um, tell me about that song. Uh, that was written about a former and much disliked work colleague. Oh. One of these always has to be one better than everybody pe- pe- people. Oh, we've all had one of them. No matter what you've done, he's, he's done it before you and he's done it bigger than you. Yeah. Etc. And he was actually a liar anyway. He was revealed to be one. Um, it's really just about having to t- tolerate someone like him. And again, a lot of people have said, I've, I've met someone like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. starting to wonder, is it the same person who's been around <laughs> loads of different places? <laughs> Yeah, um, he's I think making his way to Norfolk next week. Are you? Yeah. We've 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 all um, had experiences or are experiencing someone like that has um, either had the same as you, you know, got the t-shirt, seen the video, and you know is is far you know far more painful than than what you suffered it, far more bigger, far more pressure. Um, so yeah, so this is what it's all about then. It's it's how sad how sad it is to be sad. Um so I think you're gonna love this one, and I'm sure you're gonna find someone that you can sort of point the finger at. Here it is, sadder than sad. You're late again, that's no surprise with a bee in your bonnet and a pack of lies. Try to tell me you're better than I But I could blow you away In the wink of an eye You five now speaking when I'm not there But I've heard it all before And I just don't care Few friends I know like you One scared to the loser And the rent is due Your popularity is what's in the phone You're in the league below the lowest In a glass of your own You 
Welcome back. Tom O'Driscoll is with me. We're coming close to the end of the show, and I can see that the, the sands of time are, are dwindling. Um, where can we get your music from, Tom? Um, I'm currently out of copies. Well, for one thing, the place was getting the um, prints done was closed this year because of lockdown. Um, I'm going to be sorting some out probably next year, I think, because, I mean, times aren't financially too great no the ducks are throwing bread at me at the moment which means i must be quite poor Uh meaning that i'm going to uh (laughs) have to sit on it till next year with regards to copies but i'm thinking of uh if things are a bit more settled next year starting some kind of mailing order you know just sending stuff off to people it's perhaps time to build a new web page and take it from there but it's kind of going to be next year when I mean, it's September now. Already it seems a bit late in the year to try new things in a year where everything's a bit sort of shut down and slowed down. Have you, have you, have you got your songs on any kind of, um, uh, stream, stream, streaming platforms? They're on YouTube. Okay. But not, they, people can't go to Spotify or Deezer or. I've only gone as far as YouTube so far. I'm uh, going to be looking into that as well next year. My computer skills aren't great, I'm afraid. I, I, I didn't learn a computer until quite late in life. It, t- it took me ages to, to get the hang of Facebook, for one thing. YouTube, e- even longer. So next year, I'm going to move on to Spotify and a few other things, and I'm going to make a, a genuine effort to try and get with the 21st century. Excellent. Excellent. I've got to give up these cave wall drawings. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on the horizon for Tom O'Driscoll? Uh completing the songs for a new album, hopefully a bit more pub bit more interviews, sharing the album around, sharing the review around. There's another review someone is very kindly gonna do for another song of mine which should be ready sometime next month. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep persevering, plugging away, 
and just keep doing that to see what happens. I suppose if you stick with it for long, long enough, there will be something at, at the end of it. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd love to go back to gigging again, but I don't really trust the pubs at the moment. I don't think we're out. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. No, so again, that's, no, that's going to no. be ne- next year. I mean, around here, there's the occasional gig, but there's not very much ha- happening really. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait for a while before I uh, go back to that much as I do miss it. Have you got uh, your fans asking after you when you when you're going back out there again? Or yeah, I do get the occasional message. We've missed you. When's your next gig? And um, having to tell them that unfortunately uh, there isn't anything. Uh, so it, w- it, w- it would be nice to do something for them again, really. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Not just absolutely. for me, but unfortunately, it's going to be um, again. It's going to be next year. It would be nice to start next year recording a new album and going back to gigs it would be great to have have a clean board next year yeah yeah to start again so to speak absolutely well it's been a pleasure having you on the show tom it really has and it's a pleasure for, being here thank you it's it, like always sands of time wait for no man and uh, they have run run out unfortunately now i want to thank you for coming on the show feel free to come back in the future and share with with us uh, what you've been up to and you know any further music developments um and don't forget you out there you can uh catch up with all my guests at tinyurl.com forward slash new stars show that stars with a z now we're going to play out with the other side of life and um we're going to say take care of yourself be kind to one another for myself, Neil Clark, and my very special guest, Tom O'Driscoll. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, and thanks again. Cheers. Goodbye.
Yeah.